my mother is dying, there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing. A chain of events happen that simply can't be reversed at this point, and so she'll die. It's just a matter of how much time, a day, a couple of days, a week, two weeks. And of course, we all know death's inevitable, but it still has a remarkable level of pain and discomfort and anguish and helplessness. Now, I don't mean to minimize that statement, nor the pain that any of you felt as you've watched the clock move in a way that you simply couldn't stop. But today, 4,900 people will die of AIDS. Today. And as they die, there will be hand-wringing and grief and helplessness, and they will watch the clock tick in a way they cannot stop. And chaos will be left in their wake. Orphans, husbands, wives, parents, children will be left in their wake because today, just today, 4,900 people will die of HIV AIDS. Now, is there hope in that? Is there hope in the pain that we experience, which is not going to be reversed? Sure. There's a philosopher, Simone Weil, who once said, the soul is penetrated by only two things, beauty and affliction. I think she was correct. And in affliction, the hope is we see beauty. In affliction and loss and pain and that sense that this is how it ought not to be, something in our hearts can be spurred to a greater place. There's companionship. There's friendship. There's love. There's care. There can be some amazing beauty in the pain that we can't reverse and the death that we can't stop. But today I want to ask another question. 4,900 people will die today of HIV AIDS, and we can't stop it. But what about tomorrow? What about a week from now? What about June 19th, 2012? Is it inevitable? Is the clock ticking and unstoppable that 4,900 people will die that day? No. It's actually not. A number of years ago, Mark and I, at a conference I'll tell you more about later, we went to an HIV-AIDS conference, and after some people had been talking to us about it, we came to the conclusion, many things we saw in that, but one of the things we came to the conclusion is, is this does not need to stand. It does not need to happen. We don't simply have to wring our hands and say, look at how horrible this is. It can actually be prevented and treated. 4,900 people do not have to die of HIV-AIDS tomorrow or in a day a year from now. See, there certainly is hope and loss that can't be reversed. But the hope I want to talk to you about today is the hope that we can actually reverse pain and suffering in the world around us. And it's something that God is passionately involved in, that he weighs in strongly that tomorrow does not need to experience the same sense of loss that today did. There's a verse in, in a book called Lamentations, which means crying. Really, more than that, it means weeping. And it's a great verse, though. In the midst of a real tragedy, there's this verse tucked in there that says about God, great is his faithfulness. His compassion is new every morning. Tomorrow, God weighs in with compassion. 
Tomorrow God moves in with the world so that it will not be the same as it was today. And the stunning thing is, the stunning thing is that God moves in the world to create hope, to create a picture and the reality of a better future through you and I, through the visionary action of people like you and I. And so today what I want to do is I want to look to you relatively briefly at, at, at two verses in a book, a real happy book, which is Job. And everybody knows something about Job, and I'm going to give you just a little background on Job. And, and Job, this is Job's life in a nutshell. It was really good, and then it really went bad. I mean, horribly bad, and all sorts of things happened. And at the end of losing his children and his home and all that, he gets boils. And he says, essentially, seriously, God? Is this necessary? Seriously, boils now. This is, this is what I'm getting. You know, what's the deal? So Job is understandably upset. And so some friends come alongside of him. And, and quite honestly, I'll just be straight with you. The friend's advice is not particularly good for the most part. But at first they come alongside of him and they just sit there. Good move. They just sit there and they, and they wait and they sit in his misery with him. And then one of them, who we're going to talk about, Eliphaz the Temanite. And, and don't ask me where, where Timon is. I, I don't know. And honestly, I didn't care enough to look it up. Eliphaz the Temanite. It doesn't matter. He's the guy. He's a counselor to Job. And he comes alongside him and he begins to speak. And essentially what he says is, Job, buck up. You got good from God. Should you not accept uh, bad just the same? To which I'm thinking, no. I mean, <laughs> who does that? He says, Job, there's good and there's bad in the world. And stop questioning God. And you got bad now. And You've had good, and just consider yourself fortunate that you've ever had any good, and now's the bad part. I just don't think it's that good advice. However, in the midst of that, he comes up with a gem, honestly. In the midst of that sort of rant of buck up, Job, and sometimes life just stinks, he has a gem. He comes across the heart of something where hope is found, and it's these two verses. In Job 5, verses 15 and 16, it says this, speaking of God, He saves the needy from the sword in their mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. This is God. Not buck up, it'll be okay. God is the one who looks at the world and says, I will act in such a way that the poor will have hope, and injustice will shut its mouth and no longer have power. And he does that when something happens within you and I. When a vision is birthed within us. A vision that's birthed sometimes out of pain and sometimes out of beauty. But when somehow something happens in our life that moves us outside of our own sphere and we look at the world around us and we have a picture of a future that's better than right now. We look at what is, and we say not, well, this is just what we get. We say, this need not be this way. It can actually be different because God grasps our heart and births something that quite honestly wasn't there before, that looks at the world not with resignation nor with anger, but with belief that a better future is possible, that injustice need not stand, that it can shut its mouth by the visionary action of people who follow the lead of God. And so people get a vision. They see a better future, and they act. 
and in acting, pain, grief, loss, poverty gets reversed. 4,900 people do not need to die of HIV AIDS next week. They don't. It can change. Warehouse has chosen to weigh in with the HIV AIDS pandemic for a variety of reasons. But one of the early questions, let's say you even go, okay, the world does not need to be the way it is. God can break me outside of myself through my pain or through the beauty, and I see a vision of a better future, and I long to act. But for some of us, even when that happens, that glimpse when, you know, the, the self-interest is shattered, and it's like the windows open when we see outside and we say, I do not have to resign myself to the world as it is. The status quo does not have to stand. There is a better future, and God can use me to enact it. Sometimes what happens is we see that, and then we go, but it's a really big world. And there's really a lot of chaos. So how will I, me, bring hope in the midst of chaos? The world's a big place. And we have chosen at Warehouse to ask this question, God, in this big place full of chaos where you long to bring compassion every day, how will you cause us to have vision and to act. And Warehouse has believed, we felt this strong sense, this pull from our community, that a couple of things really matter to us. And one of those is children matter. There's lots of places you can weigh in, but we've chosen to weigh in with, with homeless uh, children and with local schools and, and with HIV and AIDS pandemic with orphans and because this was placed upon our heart. But then you ask the question, why HIV AIDS? There's a... Uh, a passage in the Bible that has struck a number of us in leadership, and it's the story of, it's called the Good Samaritan. You may have heard it, you may not. And it's the story of a guy who's called the Good Samaritan only in the story. I don't know what his name is. And he's walking by the side of the road, and there's a bleeding man who's been beaten. And the story is two religious people walk by because they're busy, and the Samaritan, which was sort of code word for a not-so-nice person, picks up the man and cares for him. And one of the, 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 the metaphor for us has been, we can't pass by, we choose not to pass by the one bleeding on the side of the road. And so for us, that has meant often action right here. There's people bleeding on the side of the road, literally around the corner. But the scope of the HIV AIDS pandemic, the level of blood, the amount of bleeding that that's caused around the world has dropped to our doorsteps where we don't choose to ignore it anymore. We've chosen to stop at the bleeding on the side of the road and lift that man up. And so we chose to weigh into the HIV AIDS pandemic, the greatest healthcare crisis the world has known. Why Zimbabwe? Well, here's the backstory. Again, Mark and I went to a conference in California, and so doing so, we came back convinced that HIV AIDS was a global pandemic that was stripping the hope and dignity of people's lives and that it could be reversed. And then as we came back, there had already been people at Warehouse who for years had been tapping us in the shoulder and saying, look, there's something we need to stop ignoring. And we got in concert with them and we began to explore where should we, where should we go. And we honestly, we tried a number of different things locally and but little by little over time, the vision and the heart and the passion of people led us to 
sub-Saharan Africa, where HIV AIDS is the most prevalent by far. And then little by little, as we've been exploring contacts with them, very, very carefully, we were led to Zimbabwe. And then we were led to a man named Caiaphas and then a man named Mish and began to do what we call income-generating activities, to begin to create not missions, not projects, but businesses designed to reverse the trend of poverty and HIV-AIDS, one HIV orphan at a time. As we did so, LiveBirds has been launched, a way for a business to be created to have a powerful impact right now in one city, Odzi, Zimbabwe. And so LiveBirds is what's being celebrated, talked about, and promoted today. And today we have the pleasure of having with us Mishak Malambo from Zimbabwe. Mish, come on up, and we're going to interview Mish. At, but please welcome to our stage. Welcome. It's good to have you, Mish. Why don't you tell... Uh, the community, if you would, give us a little bit of who you are and uh, why you and the, and the range of options you could have chosen in your life have chosen to weigh in with your heart, your soul, your life to helping HIV AIDS orphans and vulnerable children. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I'm Mishek Mlambo from the Hope for AIDS Zimbabwe. Hope for AIDS is a project uh, that is by SIM. SIM is serving in mission. And by the way, the SIM offices are here in the international SIM offices. They are in Charlotte here. And uh, part of my role as the Orphans and Vulnerable Children Officer is to move around the communities in Zimbabwe, especially the churches, trying to mobilize and encourage them to pay visits to orphans in their times of distress. Uh, as he said in James 1, verse 27, where he said, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is to, to pay visits to orphans and widows in their times of distress. So I'll be uh, encouraging the church to take up the OVC work. My passion is with the orphans. Uh, I've been with the, the program since 2005, October. And uh, my mother always says, working with the children is like, uh, you'll be like the editor of sad stories that come to you. And she was asking why I'm not depressed, why, I get, why do I get motivated every time? And I answered and said, well, it would answer why I'm always at Hope for AIDS now. Uh, we have plenty of success stories where we would help the children and uh, when you look back at the children that you have helped, it brings a lot of joy to you. Like, for argument's sake, there was one child that we helped recently. I mentioned it on the gallery on Friday, who had dropped out of school. And in, in Zimbabwe, there are no public schools, free, free education, they say. The government does not afford those. They say it's luxury, I think. Mm -hmm. So they, everyone has to have some fees to go to school. So this child, Tinotenda Randinho, uh, had dropped out of school because of fees, and we went to talk to the family and the headmaster, the school authorities, and we, he is now back to school. So it, it's, it's much joy to me when I see children like that who, who would appreciate what we have done, and sometimes they need to thank me and say, well, thank the people that are uh, helping you, not even us. We are just saying we are just seven. So that's my passion. That's what I do in Zimbabwe. Okay. And with that passion that has been birthed in you uh, for uh, HIV-AIDS orphans, for believing that, that what God has raised within you is that that's, that's really what it looks like to be a man of God, is to, mm. is to serve the real need there with, with orphans. It has led to many things, but one of the things it's led to is live birds. So explain to the, the congregation what live birds is. Thank you. 
our life base is a, an income generating, uh, I want to say project, but not project. Project is an income generating business that we have started in Zimbabwe. A business is where you think of maximizing on profit. So it is a business that has been started uh, complements to, thanks to Warehouse 242 uh, for providing us uh, an interest-free loan. Then we helped some children, some young adults in our project who, who were, they had just completed their Form 4. Their Form 4 is high school. We, we call that Form 4 in Zimbabwe. So they had just completed their, their high school and were loitering around. You, you know the unemployment rate for Zimbabwe is 94%. And you, you can hardly get a job. It's not like other countries where it's easy after high school and you go to college and you, go, you get a job. So these uh, young adults, they did not have a job. They were just loitering around, and they were desperate for something to do that could uh, occupy the time or give them an income, provide employment for them, and life base was the answer. So it's an income-generating uh, business, which is of raising chickens. They raise chickens for sale. Very good. I just want to make sure that you catch those and don't think that number you missed it. 94% employment rate mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe. And so you have, I didn't say this before, there's a million HIV AIDS or- orphans out mm-hmm. of 12 million people in Zimbabwe. One in 12 is an orphan. Mm-hmm. At 94% employment rate, an orphan turns 16, 17, 18 with nothing to do. And in, as we know of humanity, mischief gets created and it perpetuates the cycle of HIV AIDS and behaviors that promote that. This business now, Live Birds, has taken 10 HIV AIDS orphans and allowed them to have an income generating business. So, got 10 people working for Live Birds now. Tell me what's been their response as they have gone from no employment to now running Live Birds. Thank you. Um, They are quite eager and committed to make this a, a great success because to them, they really appreciate its employment that has been given to them. Uh, it's a chance to uh, earn a living with some dignity and some integrity. You know, it's like uh, when you, you, if I, I come for you, I mean, if I come to you and say, may you please give me $5 and you give me and I just walk away every month, I get $5. I would not appreciate it as much as if I work for that $5 and I, maybe you can say, clean up there and I clean up and you give me the money, I'll take it with some dignity that I've, I've worked for it. So they are out to make it a great success. They, they, they are so committed. I can tell you plenty of stories of how, how the commitment shows. Like for argument's sake, they sleep at the farm, uh, they sleep there and looking after the chickens is, is, not, is not easy. They, are so, they sleep at the farm, uh, yeah, you would not know this, there's like chicken in a brooder you don't sleep some meters away from, like 100 meters away in a nice shed. You'll be sleeping with the chicken just next to them. Uh, two, I mean, every two hours or one hour, 30 minutes, you wake up, check, are they not clustered together because they will die? Or is the floor dirty or you have to change the flooring? Such things, little things that like, you know, like even water, every two hours you have to give them fresh water and change the whole night. They are so committed, especially the first two days I've tried them. It's, 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 it's very difficult, yeah. <laughs> and if you can imagine sleeping next to hundreds of chicks mm. and then making sure that, because this is what happens in the first few days mm. out of 300 chicks 100 could be lost if they're not vigilant and so they are vigilant they are laying beside the chicks and making sure they don't suffocate each other as they're seeking as they're seeking warmth and so I think you, I mean your first batch of 301 chicks 298 survived mm. and so that's because 10 people are highly committed to that business mm. 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 
Mish, is, as we know, it started in February. It's got a good start. Now, orders are coming through. But tell me if you would. I mean, right now, there's live birds in Udzi, Zimbabwe, mm. 10 people employed. Tell me what your vision is uh, for live birds. Thank you. Our, our vision is to see live birds expanding and would have some other live birds projects started uh, in other areas where we have the business looking after the other 10 or more ch- or children, often the young adults. So our vision is to find, uh, you know what happens normally is in Zimbabwe when uh, there is a cycle that after high school, the children, they, they either loiter around or they go to college. Mostly they'll be loitering around. They don't have anything to occupy themselves. And that increases the risk. They, they indulge in, in risky behavior like sleeping around, and that also increases the HIV infection. So in future, if we are uh, like accommodating more people, giving them employment, we are giving them something to do. That will ultimately reduce the infection rate. And uh, well, the, the, there is a common saying that says an idle mind is a, the devil's workshop. Uh, the devil will not have chance with, with these kids if they are busy and earning a living and employed with some dignity. So we are really looking forward to starting more income generating activities with the other youth elsewhere. And it ultimately reduces the, 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 the well, unemployment rate, HIV infection rate, but the poverty, uh, you know, poverty too, because mm-hmm. they'll be having something to, to an income to look forward to every month. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm going to pray with you, man. We're, I mean, we're, we're praying for current live birds and those 10 HIV AIDS orphans, kids whose lives have already been changed, and we're praying for orders to come in, and we're praying for chicks to survive, and we're praying for the expansion of hope from one city to the next so that, as, as you put so beautifully, the cycle can be broken, because that's mm. what we're after, the cycle being broken, so a year from now, the HIV AIDS rate is not what it is today. Mm. Let's thank pray. You, Lord, we thank you for Mish. We thank you for bringing him here. You have uh, made a man of God, and you've brought him to yourself, and you've given him a heart that longs to see hope and beauty in his uh, countrymen and women around him. I pray that as he's here with us, you would bless and encourage him, strengthen him. I pray that you would make his heart more and more fully alive, known to you. I pray that you would strip away the things that keep him from you and keep him from being fully who you've made him to be. And I pray for live birds. I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would prosper this business beyond even what we hope. I pray that you would use it to create one live bird's location after another, after another. And so we watch as the actions that Mish and others on the ground have taken break the cycle of poverty, of HIV AIDS, and bring hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mish. So, what can we do? If our hearts get a vision that pain does not need to stand, that things can be reversed, then we begin to ask better questions about our time and about our life. And right now, as we have weighed into live birds, there are three very specific things you can do. And there are cards and pamphlets on your seat. And one is you can pray. We have very specific things to pray for God to prosper this business, for God to protect these people, for God to keep these chicks healthy. We have very specific things that we are, we are praying for. You can give. You can give toward a uh, uh, warehouse in Africa and live birds. And one of the ways you can do it, that's a fun way to do it, as Mark talked about it. You can do it through the purchase of some very, very fine 
uh, artwork, which is still for sale in the gallery and will remain for sale because the prints can be reproduced. They are digital prints. All of them are so, except for that one wall, and so they can be reproduced. And we can sell as many as you, as you, as you would like. And that's a wonderful way to provide uh, money to this income-generating business as well as provide artwork for yourself or for others around you. And the other thing is you can learn. You can become informed about the HIV-AIDS pandemic and the part that individual and community action can have in stemming that tide. Now we're going to move toward our time of response in this, this service. And uh, as we do so, I'm just encouraging you to, to let God speak to you. Lead your heart uh, wherever you need to go this morning. One of the ways that we begin this time always is through our offering. It's a way for us to articulate our deeply held belief that it is God who weighs into the world. He births vision in us. And out of that, we act. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, would you lead us in this, this time of response? We simply pray that you will be here, that you would open our hearts and minds to see, to hear, to feel, to become more committed to seeing beauty brought into the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.